The Thread is a new hit podcast from Ozzy Media that explores history's surprising connections in order to discover how one thing leads to another. Like how movie moguls in early Hollywood helped spark the Me Too movement today. Get it on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Tonight, neat lady, um, I think you're going to like this. Crystal Hope Reed is with us tonight. And I learned about her through one of my remote viewing groups. It's APPS. Marty Rosenblatt heads that. He's been here on Coast to Coast many times. And she was talking about, um, you know, I was just reading through the thread, and somebody was talking about, well, I'm an animal communicator. It was around derby time, or, you know, they were trying to, when you do apps, when you do ARV, Associative Remote Viewing, you're trying to, a lot of times you're looking at numbers. And and if you're working at all with Marty Rosenblatt, he is, you know, teaching you how to uh, find out who's going to win something so that you can bet it (laughs) and make some money. And he would do that with the um, Derby and Preakness and Belmont, things like that. So anyway, in this thread of one of these groups, um, somebody was saying they were an animal communicator, and they were talking about how the horses felt and how they thought when they won or didn't win or when they raced. And it was... I was reading it and and it was really cool. I got it around here somewhere. Here, let's get the exact. This this is what this is what I read. Okay, quote from her. This is pretty interesting. This is what I heard at first. I'm an animal communicator, and the general sense I get from tuning into horses when I'm attending races in person or seeing photos of the horses online, most of them don't have an innate feeling of win or lose, aside from how the people around them react. Not that they're not smart enough to understand the idea of competition because they're very smart. Not just smart for an animal, but actually wise even by human standards. But they have different priorities than we do. And just like with parenting children, their sense of job well done is based largely on how their people react. They like to run, and like a human track star, wouldn't want to do, wouldn't know what to do with themselves if they weren't running. They love a good connection with a loving jockey. They want to feel the approval for doing well instead of the disappointment of not doing well. But they don't care about winning in the same way humans think of it. Or maybe it really is the same as humans, seeking the maximum amount of praise and adoration. That's more important than beating a competitor technically. It's just a mechanism for eliciting the positive feedback they crave. I read that and I went, holy cow, the perspective... This person wrote about the animals. It just really hit me. I thought, oh, my gosh, I've got to meet this person. So I went tracking around and tracking around and met a whole bunch of other people along the way and finally met the person behind those words, and that's Crystal Hope Reed. And um, interesting as her background, and I think the reason why she can have a perspective as she has, is she's got a master's degree in counseling psychology, has spent most of her professional life in the fields of counseling, mental health, and education. This is all with people. She's worked with clients as diverse as gifted students, domestic violence victims, the homeless, people with severe mental illnesses, and individuals and families navigating the psychic awakening process. She's even got something going on with her husband that we'll talk about at one point where she wrote a book about it, which is very interesting. 
but she's been practicing pet psychic since the late 1990s, and then she basically stumbled into the training of uh, talking with animals on a whim and with a fair amount of skepticism as well, but soon realized that she indeed had the ability to talk to animals. So for the first few years, she used her skills on her own pets and to help friends and families, but in about, I guess, uh, 2003 or so, in response to this, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? She started a series of advanced training classes and decided to own her identity as a pet psychic. And so now what Crystal does is she mainly works through photographs uh, because telepathic communication is a non-local phenomenon. She has helped people all over the United States with pet issues like unwanted behaviors, medical challenges, introducing new family members, and get this, this is going to be interesting. We've got to talk to her about this. She can even connect with animals who have passed on. So her plain goal, very easy, is to help as many animals as possible, both on an individual basis and by changing the way people think about and relate to them. I love it. She's very kind, wonderful lady. Welcome. First time guest here on Coast to Coast AM. It's Crystal Hope Reed. Crystal, thanks for joining us and thanks for uh, allowing me to give you a great introduction so people will know exactly who you are. How are you tonight? I'm I'm fine, a little bit hot here in Los Angeles. Anyone else in the Southern California area can relate to that, but otherwise I'm great and I'm really excited to be on with you, Connie. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm glad that you're here. Well, what what's wrong with you folks out there in Southern Cal? You you don't have air conditioning or what? I keep hearing this from people in LA. We're just having a heat wave and um I live in Santa Monica. A lot of these old houses weren't built with AC because we didn't ah. need, to need that, but um right. now we do, so now we rely on fans. <laughs> <laughs> fans in LA. Imagine that. Yeah. Hmm, let's think about that one for a second. <laughs> oh. Okay, TV fans, movie fans. Okay, anyway. <laughs> They're everywhere. Okay, so Crystal, this is so cool. Um, I have enjoyed talking to you. And, um, you know, as you had heard me talk about and how I found you was through the through that thread with the animal communicator talking about horses that are racing. You know, I'm originally from Kentucky, so hearing about horse racing and Marty Rosenblatt always dealing with the horses when he's teaching people how to do associative remote viewing. Um, so I'm glad that you wrote that so that I could find you, but tell me, how did you get started in doing this? How does someone say, oh yeah, I mean, were you two years old and already talking to your puppy or, or what, what's going on with that? Well, I know that a lot of people, when they have some kind of psychic ability, consider themselves natural born psychics. You hear that phrase a lot and that is not me. Um, I was actually skeptical about this stuff. Um, I do remember back in the 70s or 80s, there was that show called That's Incredible. And Mm -hmm. there was one segment, and I was, I don't know, elementary age child at this time, where they had a pet psychic who helped a family. And I thought the story was kind of funny. It's always stuck with me for 40 years or whatever, that um, a couple was getting divorced and they brought in a pet psychic to see who the dog wanted to go live with. And I'd never heard of such a thing when I was seven years old or whatever. But the what I find funny about the story is that the dog said, I want to go with the little boy when they didn't have any kids. So then that led to the revelation that the man had been having an affair <laughs> when the wife wasn't around. This 
woman would come and bring her dog. I mean, she would bring her little boy and would play with the dog. So, I mean, I just I found that fascinating. And as you can tell, all these years later, it stuck with me. But I was mostly skeptical. I thought, wow, if there's five people in the world who can do this, that's so amazing. And I wish I was one of them, but no way could I ever do this. So it wasn't until my early 20s, and I went just really out of curiosity and boredom and the fact that it involved animals and I just, you know, I have a real passion for animals. I went to a two-hour free little introduction to animal communication workshop um, here in Los Angeles, not expecting to be able to do it, but just thinking it might be an interesting way to spend two hours. And um, come to find out I actually could do it. And, um, yeah, so that really changed my mind. So I came home. I had a pit bull at the time, and I was going to try it on him to see, oh, well, maybe it's a fluke in the class or, you know, maybe that's false in some way, fake. Um, So I came home, and I told him in my mind, without any hand gestures or anything, I just said, spin around three times and lay down right there. And I I said that over and over and over again for a few minutes, and he didn't do it. And I thought, aha, like I thought, it's just, you know, I don't know, she's running some kind of scam. But after just a few minutes, he spun around three times and laid down where I asked him to. (laughs) And that just totally, as you can imagine, changed my whole world. Um, Wow. And so that, yeah, that's how I got into it. And then, as you mentioned in the intro, I did. I just used it with my own animals for a while. I didn't tell anyone else about this because it was enough that I had to change my mind, let alone how am I going to tell people about this, you know? Most people would be skeptical. So, and it just went from there. You say it so kindly, yep, skeptical for sure. They, they would be calling you a nut for sure, right? You know that. <laughs> That's the real words that people use, right? <laughs> yeah. um, hmm. So what did you say your dog was, a pit bull or a pit bull? So was, um, did you say it was he or she? I'm sorry. It was he. His name was he, Damien. Was, he, was Damien just being smart aleck or a little stubborn to you or kind of messing with you a little bit? Going, oh, no, she can talk to me now. Um, it was more of an oh, no. And I asked him later because um, over the years he was, I had him about another 10 years after that. And he, and we got to the point where we were talking, I mean, now when I say talking, I mean, obviously it's on our mind, right? This is telepathic and we can discuss that later. Um, That at first he didn't know that he wanted to change our relationship. He knew that if he let me know that he heard me in that moment, that things would be different forever. Yeah. And um, so it took him a couple minutes to decide that he was ready for that, that he was on board with that, and then he did what I asked him to do. Isn't that interesting? And I mean, most think animals, of- when I talk to them, they start speaking immediately. They don't have that. But maybe it was because it was my own animal and he understood the significance of what was happening that, yeah, he took a little time to contemplate. He's like... Oh, no, now she knows I hear her. Now I have to do what she tells me to do. I can't use the dog thing. (laughs) I'm just a dog, blah, 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 spot, blah, 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 food. Right, right. (laughs) 
right? <laughs> I remember that. That's wow. a far side, right? Yeah. yeah, that's a far side. That's absolutely right. <laughs> um, so, wait, golly, okay, so does it matter what animal? Have you tried to talk to every animal along the way and it's worked? I sure have. Um, I do professionally, obviously, people, if they're going to pay me to work with their animals, it's going to be something more common like a dog, cat, horse, ferret, bird, uh, even iguana, anything that people might have. But I have talked to um, animals at zoos and animal sanctuaries. It's harder Mm -hmm. to go to zoos now because if you can really tune into the animals there, you know, there's a lot of um, unhappiness there. and. But, um, That's what I would think. So when you go into it, just to go into that for a second, when you go into a zoo, are they, besides the sadness, I, I can imagine, I used to uh, live in Sarasota where the Ringling Brothers, Barnum and Bailey Circus and other circuses were, and they were, they were just never happy. I, you know, yeah. I know people loved circuses a long time ago. I never did. I I never did. It, the clowns were already sad, you know. You could already tell that. I don't care what smile they put on their face. But the animals, you could tell, were so sad in the eyes in the circus. Yeah. But in the zoo, uh, okay, are they sad? Are the ones that are sad because they were brought from the in from the wild? Or, I mean, do you also get sadness from those that were born in captivity? And are they all talking to each other? What's that like? Um, okay, so sad. Um, they're sad and even, yeah, I don't want to go too negative with the show, but. No, sad. no, be honest. We want okay. you straight. If it's <laughs> negative, that's what it is, right? You know, maybe yeah. we can all do something about it if we, you know, that's one of the things I, I think a lot of us need to hit along the way is if we see truth, right, then maybe we can, uh, you know, take care of that truth at least it's addressed the the spotlights on it right and people can be more aware of it if we kind of blow it off you know we're still blowing it off and ignoring it so no 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 just not negative on the show it's important to know so okay very good okay there's um sadness amongst most of the animals really and that is not to say i don't want to say that zookeepers are not doing their best because under the circumstances i think that the people who work with exotic animals really care about them and do their best. But, you know, especially the large animals are not meant to be in any kind of small enclosure whatsoever. And so it does, it makes them sad, and it also sometimes pushes them almost or to the point of what we would in humans consider, you know, like mental illness, like sort of going crazy. Oh. And so, and and that's even under the best of circumstances. That That's what that system is. So, yeah, it's hard to go yeah. to places like that um, once once you have any sensitivity to animals. And I imagine even people who don't consider themselves animal communicators, a lot of them, like you said, you can just see it in the circus yeah. animals' eyes, right? Yeah. Yeah, and you can feel it. I'm, I've got that empathic thing going on. But uh, and I can just feel it. It's just so hard to go. I just want to go and release them all <laughs> and go run, run for your lives. <laughs> But that's hard, too. You know, it's uh, I'm not a big fan. I mean, I think we all should be educated and learn, but I wish we could do it in a whole nother way for sure. Um, When you do go into a zoo, do they um, automatically know you can hear them? They don't. Um, One thing that I've had to learn to do is to shut myself off most of the time. 
because um, just you living in a crowded city like Los Angeles, with um, we don't have lots of wild animals besides, you know, squirrels and birds and things, but we do have lots of pets. And if I was as wide open as I could be, there would be constant chatter, and I would just <laughs> sort of be overwhelmed. Um, so I have it off most of the time, and I really only turn it on um, when I'm intentionally going to talk to an animal. And so um, sometimes they do get through. Sometimes they do seem to recognize me somehow, even though I'm trying to not be listening. <laughs> but, um, but for the most part, I think I, I can shield myself pretty well. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.